Thank you, Terry. Our New Testament reading, and that which Ian is preaching on shortly, is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, starting at verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Thank you, Marion. What an opportunity we have tonight. It's the end of our summer series. We've gone through Why Bother with Jesus? Claire gave us a wonderful message this morning that highlighted the fact that we matter to God. And if you weren't here this morning, just pause on that for just a few seconds. We matter to God. But my challenge for us tonight is how are we going to respond to that? How do you respond to that statement that we matter to God? We're looking at the calling of the disciples, the first four. Make no mistake, Jesus gave his life. He gave us salvation and the promise of heaven when we die. But there is something else. He calls us on a lifelong apprenticeship as a disciple. Total commitment to his cause. And I use the word apprenticeship there, because I'll come back to that again in a little bit. And once again, it's a total commitment to his cause. When we try to fit Jesus around our lives, rather than, I'm sorry, when we try to fit Jesus around our lives rather than our lives around Him, that is what we're after. Whatever we may choose to call ourselves, we cannot truly call ourselves disciples if we don't focus our lives around Him. True Christianity, as a church leader once said is an all-out commitment to the living Christ. Jesus is not looking for fans. He is looking for followers. Followers who will go with him when called. So we're going to look at that this evening. But before we do, I want to share this fisherman's tale with you. I'm not a fisherman, I never have been, and I don't think I ever will be. Two avid fishermen go on a fishing trip. 
They rent all the equipment, the reels, the rods, the wading suits, the rowing boats, uh, and a car to carry all the stuff, uh, and a cabin in the woods. They spend a fortune. The first day they go fishing, they don't catch anything. The same thing happens on the second day. Again, nothing. And on the third day, you get the picture. It goes on like this until the last day of their holiday, when one of them catches a fish. Jubilation, joy. As they were driving home, they were depressed, though. One of the guys turns to the other and says, do you realise that this one lousy fish we caught cost us £2,000? The other guy says, wow, it's a good thing we didn't catch any more of them, isn't it? (laughs) But back to our story. In 1986, the remains of a 2,000-year-old fisherman's boat was found off the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. Its discoverers named it Jesus' boat. And now it's in display in a museum in Israel. Just to get your head around the size, the boat's about 27 feet long, 7.5 feet wide, and a little over 4 feet high. Fishermen in Jesus' day would cast large nets and weights, attach them that would trap the fish at the bottom of the lake. They would either dive down to put the fish individually into satchels or carefully pull up the edges of the large nets so the fish could be collected in the boats. When they weren't fishing, they were washing, mending, hanging the nets up to dry, all in preparation for doing it again the next day. It was hard work. That's the type of life that Peter, Andrew, James, and John had. Then one day, these guys were faced with a series of questions. Once a life of travel, excitement, challenge, seeing new places, meeting new people, I wonder whether that's what they heard when they saw Jesus on the shores of Galilee. I'll read the passage again for you. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for as we know, they were fishermen. And as Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers for men. And immediately they let their nets on the floor and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee and brother of John, who in their boats mended the nets. Immediately, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. It's probably likely that these four chaps knew Jesus already. They'd probably been drawn in by his teachings, And now he was offering them a life on the road. Leave the boats, the family and the friends, and let's go and see some new places. Why not? And off they went, leaving the towns 
the livelihood and their family behind them. But why? Maybe these four first disciples we read about here recognized something about Jesus' invitation. This wasn't a wishy-washy invitation. If you fancy it, give me a call. This was, you're doing it. Something powerful, something immediate, but two words, follow me. It suggests going places and looking forward to something that will happen. But it also suggests that they will be taken out of their comfort zone. Travel, people, excitement, they would find all these things when following Jesus, but probably not in the way that they had expected. Sometimes had to glean fields or depend on strangers for food. They even got kicked out and spat at. They would find themselves in increasing danger. And as we think about Jesus' first recruitment of these disciples, I want us to spend some time thinking about two or three things. First of all, here Jesus takes the initiative. Back in biblical times, people who wanted to know more about God would seek out their favorite rabbi. They would ask them to become a personal mentor, a bit like a student at university trying to find that professor that they could suck up the information from. They would go and seek them. Yet here Jesus turns it on his head and he takes the initiative. He takes it to seek out his followers. He chose them by name. And he chooses you by name. Because, as Claire pointed out this morning, you matter. So when he chooses you by name, don't give this response, me, what? No, you've got that wrong. I can't do that. That's not where I like going. I haven't got those skills. Remember these words that you've all been heard before probably. Jesus doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. I'm sure the disciples could vouch from that, bearing in mind the variety of backgrounds they came from and the job they had to go and do. Jesus took the initiative to reach out to the disciples and to reach out to you. The Bible says no one comes to the Father alone without the Father already working in their heart to bring them to him. That's why if you see someone that's kind of questioning a little bit of spiritual interest, you're not quite sure what they're trying to ask, be sure that you know that God is working in them. I wonder if you can remember when you were first dating and one of you was chasing the other one. Usually we think it's the guy chasing the girl. But sometimes the girl is at work behind the scenes to help the guy chase her. 
So it is with God. He's at work behind the scenes to woo us to him. So Jesus takes the initiative. Point two. Jesus calls us to a relationship. Not rules, a relationship. Notice the following thing. Jesus does not say to Peter and Andrew, follow my teaching, keep these rules. And what he says to James and John, oh yes, um, come and follow me, here's the contract. If you would, would you sign here and read the T's and C's beforehand? He just simply says, follow me. Which indicates to me that following Jesus means that he is leading from the front. He tells his disciples, watch me. Do what I do. Watch and learn. If you see me, you see the Father. If you note what's important to me, you'll pick up on what is important to the Father. Other faiths teach its followers to strive towards God. Here, God strives towards us. He strives so much that he sent his one and only Son to die in our place because he knows we are not good enough to go to heaven as we were. We cannot good enough to be in the right relationship with him as we were. We have all sinned and gone astray. Yet Jesus says, follow me. Focus your life on me and I will make you into a new creation. Jesus calls us to focus our lives on him. The third point says... Jesus' mission should be our mission too. The elderly apostle John, in the end of it, towards the end of his life, wrote to the churches of many young believers with this advice. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. From 1 John 2.6. Jesus' mission becomes our mission. Let's just clarify what that mission is. We went up to verse 20 uh, with our reading today. A little further on, verse 23 records this. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus' mission is to teach, to proclaim, and to heal. The word heal here we need to look at in some context just a little bit. It comes from the word therapy, but it also includes just being by someone's side. Jesus attends to our greatest needs, so we must attend to the needs of others. So for three years, he mentors the disciples. He heals, they watch. He teaches, they listen. He proclaims, they take note. Three years. That's a good amount of time walking around Israel 
and the surrounding Greek settlements to learn from Jesus. He invested time in these men. Later, these dozen unlikely candidates will lead a movement that will change the world. What will they do? They will do what Jesus did. They will teach, they will preach, and they will heal. Teach, preach, and heal. But what does that mean for us? That's 2,000 years ago. That's the story we know. That's the story we talk about. But let's bring it to the church now. You matter. You spoke about that this morning. God loves you. How do you respond? We may to remind ourselves of this obvious fact that not everyone is called to leave boats and nets to leave their families and homes. Not everyone is called to go to the other side of the world to journey and to proclaim the gospel that way. The vast majority of us are called to stay here to serve God. That can also be tricky and also be hard. A Christian should simply try to follow Jesus every day in their life, once again, to teach, to preach, and to heal. To love God. To love his people. When a Christian models the behavior and attitudes of Jesus, great and glorious things will happen. When a Christian doesn't, Satan scores a victory. Max Licardo puts it in his book um, he wrote, In the Eye of the Storm, when those who are called to fish don't fish, they fight. But on the other side of this fishy tale, when those who are called to fish fish, they flourish. But at the same time, the calling of Jesus all through, this calling that Jesus gives all through the Gospels takes the disciples out of their comfort zone. And this is the same for us, whether we're working in Horsham or the wider world. In order to follow, we must, and I'll underline that and put it in bold here, we must step forward. You cannot follow somebody if you are not walking in their shoes or taking a step forward. You cannot follow somebody if you are just sitting in your comfy place. We need to recognize that while we are to keep on fishing right here where we are, we must do it correctly. We must bring in as many aspects as life, uh, many aspects are possible of life on the road that Jesus did. We must pay attention to the outcasts, the sick, the poor among us. We must challenge the status quo. There are many, many stories of Jesus doing that. We must seek justice and equality. We must live kindly among our friends and family and among strangers too. Can we do all this here in Leafy Horsham? You bet we can. 
But working for Jesus is not an easy option. The garden will not always be rosy. You will be challenged to step out of your comfort zone, just as the disciples did. Moses, we know the story, but picture it in your head again. The bush called him by name. Moses, come here. Gave an instruction. Take off your shoes, you'll stand on holy ground. These are clear instructions. And then said, you're going to go back and free my people. There was no ifs, no buts. Not come back and think about it next Tuesday. This is what we're going to do. And Moses, as we know, naturally went, hey, me, what, why, who, no. But eventually agreed. You do not need to be the strongest, the biggest person. But one thing you need to do is open your mouth the right way. Secrets and silence, disciples, are no use to Jesus. It's no good just turning up at church and being passive about our faith. The disciples weren't passive. Jesus didn't want passive disciples. He wanted people to walk with him. Be on the front foot, willing to take that step forward. Willing to step out in faith. Scary stuff, eh? Scary stuff. But as pointed out in Matthew 10, verse 26, and in numerous other places across the Bible, do not be afraid. Why? Why not be afraid? Because we're not alone. And there's two ways that I've identified that we're not alone. I come back to the word that I used at the start, apprenticeships. As disciples, we are still learners. And I visualize it a little bit like this of a learner driver. When you learn to drive, your driving instructor sits next to you. Whether it be a, a family member or someone you've paid a ludicrous amount to because it's so expensive nowadays. Jesus is our instructor. He knows the perils and problems of the route. Mark 13, verse 11 says this. When you are arrested and judged, don't worry ahead of time about what to say. Say whatever is given to you at that time, because you will not be alone. It will not be you speaking, it will be the Holy Spirit. And as we sung this morning, I will walk beside you and always be near. So do not be afraid. 
Do not be scared. Be excited to, to step out in faith and do something new to bring people to the kingdom of God. So God is with us. Yeah, okay, we give that. But also, we are with each other. The disciples were a close-knit group of men. They didn't always get on. They didn't always see eye to eye in every single situation. But they looked out for each other. As the disciples loved and trusted each other, then we must do likewise. We need to be supportive and loving to the people around us if we are to follow Jesus properly. We as a church need to be loving and supporting of each other. So to close our series of Why Bother With Jesus, worse than the man himself, come and follow me because there is no other way that you can find life and bring it to others. I do not merely advise you, I do not beg you. I, your Lord and your God, am willing to be your saviour and your friend. I command you, I tell you, Follow me.